Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, if we haven't met yet, and I know in a room like this, we haven't, we haven't met, I haven't met all of you. My name is Will, I'm one of our pastors here at Elevate and really excited and honored to share out of God's word with you this morning. And if you are a first time guest, uh, honestly, I mean, I would love to meet you, but every single one of our team members would also love to meet you, but uh, put a face to, to, your, to your name. We see your name come across as a first time guest. And so we'd love to just get a chance to meet you in that way. I'll say this, that uh, you might be checking out church. Maybe you received an invite from a friend or a family member, and you might look into a room like this. Maybe you're in the lobby and you're like, man, there's just a lot going on here. Uh, and I, can I say that every church that you go check out in your journey, whatever it may be, is going to be too big if you don't know anybody. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you just to tell somebody it's your first time uh, and, and get a chance to get connected. We would love to hear your story and what God is doing in and through your life as well. We're in this series called Vows, and a series is a, a, a couple weeks where we'll take well, a specific topic, maybe a book of the Bible or a series of passages, and we'll just kind of dissect it. We'll, we'll dive in uh, in short chunks, make some things applicable for us. And we're in this series called Vows. And if you can guess it, it's all about relationships. And so last week we had our lead pastor, Pastor Colby Atkins, who brought an amazing word about staying committed and, and staying and working on our character and how do we keep Christ first? Like how can Christ be one and our spouse or other relationships be two? How do we keep him at the center? And it was an amazing word and I'm, I'm thankful for the trust and the confidence that he has in me uh, to be able to speak and, and lead us this morning through God's word together. I don't take that that this, honestly, it's an honor to be able to stand on this platform uh, and do so. And I don't take it lightly uh, for the amount of times that he gives me that chance. And so I thank him for that. As we're in this series, so last week we talked about commitment, character, keeping Christ at the center. Today, we're gonna talk about how do we live pure within our relationships? How can we live a life that is pure within our relationships? Like, uh, you know, something that is pure, right? Doesn't have anything polluting it or diluting it. Right? So if I have a cup of water, it's water. But when I start to add things to it, now it's become polluted. How can I live in such a way that things aren't being added into my cup? Are you with me? So how can I get away from that? And I know that even as I mention the word pure, or we mention things like idolatry, or adultery, we mention things like um, sexual sins or purity, some of you are very uncomfortable right now. I get it. I am too. Cool. Same page. Uh, and I know some of you are like, really? This is the weekend I decided to come back to church? Um, and, and some of you have walls or barriers that are starting to build up in, in your mind, your heart. Like, this is not for me. This is for the other person. This is for somebody else, whatever it may be. And, and hey, you know, whatever you're, you may be thinking in this moment. In fact, some of you, when I pray here in just a second, you're like, sweet, exit. I'm getting out. Uh, and hey, if that's what you want to do, that, that's fine. But I believe that God has strategically positioned you here today to listen to these words that are not my words, but his words to impact your life and to shape and mold you into this purified self towards a life of Christ. 
And so, and I know that the barriers that maybe that you have or the thoughts maybe that you have, hey, you have them, but they're no match for God. And I'm thankful for that, that he can pierce our hearts and soften our hearts. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We thank you, God, for these minutes, these moments, God, that we share. You are good. God, you are good. And so, Father, I pray that as we, we have this conversation today, as we look at your word, God, for truth and how to live and, and what to do and, and what's next, God, that we would live lives that are not polluted, but, God, lives that are pure. Father, I pray for every wall that's, that's built up, any thought in our minds that this is not for me. Why am I here, Father? Would you do what only you can do with those thoughts and those barriers, God? Would you soften our hearts today, God, to learn your truth? Father, we thank you, God, for bringing us here. We don't necessarily know the reason, but God, you are good and we are here to learn and listen from you. And so, Father, I pray for myself and the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, would they be acceptable and pleasing to you today? Father, would you give me strength as I carry out your word this morning? And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, as we sit here and talk through living a life that is pure, uh, I know some of you are in the room, you're, you're like me and you have kids. And you're like, well, we're really having this conversation? The answer is, yeah, we're having this conversation. Um, and the reality is, is that uh, our kids are going to have to learn it at some point. And I would rather them learn it out of the truth of God's word. I would actually rather you teach them, are you with me, than the world teach them. Because they're going to learn it one way or the other, how to live. And I don't know about you, but there ain't no better place to be than in church to learn how to live, what it may be. And if you're married and you're in this room, and maybe you've been married for a few weeks, a few months, and you're like, really, like purity? Like, I ain't gotta worry about that, man, I'm married now. And it's like, hey, I get it, 100%, I've been there. Um, but all the married folks who are in the room that have been married for more than like the honeymoon phase, know that there is no shortage of attacks on your relationships and marriage that you may have when it comes to living in a purified way, to living in a way that there's so many things that the enemy wants to attack you with. And I know on the other end of the scale that there are some of you that are single in this room and you're like, great, this is my weekend to be called out in church. Don't have sex. Don't do all this stuff. Sweet. Can't wait to feel amazing when I leave. Glad I came. I believe that there is going to be a truth of wisdom that the Lord would impart on your heart this morning. Um, that, and, and honestly, even let me just stop there and say, I need you to know um, that singleness is not second best. Because again, the world would teach you that it is, that you are on JV. And when you get married, you're going to get there. And all the married people are like, mm, I'm not so sure about that. And I know we can laugh a little bit, but, but you, uh, loneliness is real. I get it. Uh, the, the feelings of you aren't enough, those are real. I, I get it. But can I tell you, you are enough. And it's not second, second best. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with you. That's not why you're single or whatever it may be. It is the season or situation that you are in currently, sure, but there's wisdom that you can learn from a relationship series like this, no matter where you are at this morning. And so today we're going to touch on some tough topics. So buckle up, 
We're going to go there. We're going to make it happen, but we're going to touch on things like purity. We're going to touch on things like adultery. We're going to talk about how can we live a disciplined life and we can live in the fullness of the righteousness of Christ. We are going to talk about how can I be this cup that doesn't have things polluting it or diluting it. How can I be in such a way of how Christ has made me? We're going to be in two books of the Bible primarily. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 as well as in Proverbs chapter 5. So five, and then just think of Ephesians and Proverbs, Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to talk through just a few of these as kind of just to frame our mind on where we need to go. And then I'm going to have an opportunity. We're going to respond to God and worship uh, and let him do the heart surgery that we all need this morning. Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse one, it says this, this is Paul writing. It says this, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. And he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Live in the way of, of God's example. We see how he has lived as a sacrifice for the sake of others. The life of Christ is marked with sacrifice. And then it says, don't even let there be a hint of immorality, of impurity, or greed. Here's what I want us to know this morning is that in our culture, in our time that we are all currently living in, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, greed is just kind of a, a hearsay. We have this passive mentality towards it. It's kind of like, well, everyone's doing it, so it's okay. We need to have the frame of mind as a like Christ kind of mind to recognize that sexual morality, impurity, and greed is not okay, it's actually poison to our lives. It is poison. Would you have a cup of water, let's go back to that illustration, and there's just a little hint of poison in it. If you're anything like me, I'm dumping this thing out somewhere else, right? Like it's not going in my sink in my kitchen, it's going into the other sink that goes to the same place, right? But I'm gonna pour it out I'm going to do something. I'm not even going to try to clean the cup afterwards because it had a hint of poison. I'm throwing the cup away. I'm going to buy a new cup. I'm going to do something. Like, I don't even want any part of it, of the poison that was potentially in that cup. There could be some lingering effects to it. Are you with me? But many of us in our lives, we have this hint of the poison in our lives and we just do nothing with it. Let there not even be a hint of poison. What is this? It's things like pornography, addictions to sex, sex before marriage, sex outside of your marriage. And it's the greed of I want what I want when I want it. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes by any means necessary to get it. To chase this pleasure, this feeling, this moment of my life only to let it fall away some 30, 40, 50 seconds later. 
And after every single time that we give into these pleasures, these moments, this poison, we're left broken, we're left hurting, we're left with feelings of shame that come over our lives, guilt. We're wondering what happens if somebody found out. We're sitting in a space of, is this really the way it's supposed to be? And can I tell you this morning, it's not. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way, there's another way for us to live. Much of our lives are shaped by the patterns in which we live. The patterns will determine what's going to happen next, if you will. And in my research and in conversations with people in regards to this topic of destruction within this type of poison, there's a common phrase or a common thread or pattern, if you will, towards uh, towards people who have had their lives ruined from this kind of poison of sexual morality, impurity, or greed. People who have had maybe divorces because of it, people who are fighting through it, people who are, are walking out this situation. Every single person that I've personally talked to, and according to the research that I found online, the, one of the most common phrases is, I didn't think it would happen to me. It wouldn't happen to me. I didn't think it would get this far. Like, I would never do that. In fact, maybe even as we're talking this morning, you're like, that, that, that's not going to happen to me. I would never even let that occur. And, and, and I hear you, but that's the moment where your vulnerability is now down, and therefore you're more susceptible to an attack when we aren't thinking that it could actually happen to you or to I. Listen, no one is immune to an attack from the enemy. Look at Jesus. He was attacked and attacked. So if, so if Jesus was attacked, guess what? There's a good chance you're gonna be attacked as well. We need to keep our guard up. And the reality is, is that we all need this heart surgery to see what is actually the poison that is in our lives. Because even as I say the word sexual immorality, impurity, or greed, we all think of a specific line where that issue is to occur. It's in the act of actually going outside of the marriage and making it happen. But the reality is, is that's not when the issue becomes the issue. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter five, he says this in verse 20, uh, seven, he says, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so therefore, the surgery that we need to have is heart surgery in the perspective of where the issue, the issue actually takes place. It's not just in the act, it's in the thoughts that lead up to that. We need to move the line back of sin instead of how far can we go, it's how further back can we be. Jesus, as he's talking in this scripture, if you want to continue to read in Matthew chapter 5, he says, really cool statement. He's like, hey, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. <laughs> it's like, whoa. I don't know, like, 
let's be real. I don't know. Was he being literal in that moment? Was he like, cut your hand off? And then he's like, hey, take your hand and gouge your eyes out. And we're like, wow, this is the Bible, people. This is incredible. And it's like, and then I get weird thoughts about it. I'm like, so I take my hand, I cut it off, okay. Then I have to like throw the hand away with my hand. And that's weird. Those are, that's why I read that when I read the scripture, just so you know. And I don't think, because let's be honest, if that was the literal thing, then we'd all be sitting here as one-armed cyclops. <laughs> right? Because, and I don't, again, I don't know if he's being literal or not, but what I do know is the message that he's conveying is, will you go as far as cutting your hand off, gouging your eye out to, to remove things in your life that are keeping you from me? And can I ask you that question this morning? How far are you willing to go to stop sinning? How far are you willing to go to get closer to God? What would it take for that to happen? I want you to consider that this morning in our time together. How far are you willing to go to get closer to God? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you willing to cut an arm off? Okay, Jesus, let's go. Are you willing to remove some things in your life? that are polluting the purified cup that you are. So adultery is what? It's going outside of your marriage for sexual pleasure. It's breaking the marriage covenant that God has set up in the first place that he established. And of course, it's not just for married people. If you're single and you have sex outside of marriage, guess what? You're breaking the covenant of marriage because it's reserved for that spot. And we see this Throughout the Old Testament and New Testament happened time and time again as the Lord is correcting people in his, in, to follow his ways. He's, tell, he's calling them a lot of times adulterers. And, and in some cases, in most cases, yes, they were, they were just having these wild, crazy parties. But there's also the common theme of, hey, you are going outside of your relationship with me as in the Lord to seek pleasure and desire and things from other people. You are, you are trying to find provision in other ways that I have not provided. And so you are an adulterer. You are going outside of the context of this relationship. Hear me out this morning. The shortcut of our sins is always going to be a downward spiral towards hell. Every single time that we take the shortcut of sin. And sin is always the shortcut. It's always the easy way out. But it's not the right way to move forward. Let's read again in Ephesians 5 and verse 8. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. So before you found Christ, if you are a Christ follower this morning, before you found him, the sin that you lived in kept you in the darkness, this void away from the Father. It separated you. It's what happened in the, the garden of Eden. It started there and we live in it ever since then. And that separates us. We are now in the darkness. But the problem is, is that as we call on Jesus as Lord, we now enter into the light and we're to live in that way. But man, many of us are living in that way. We're, we're, we're forgiven. Man, we're, we're, we're spiritually made new. But man, aren't we stepping back into that ongoing sin of darkness just as much as we are living 
in the new. It, like, it's like when you go into a movie theater, right? And you're walking, it's kind of light, and you go in, and you, what do you need? Just a few seconds for your eyes to adjust, right? Maybe if you're like me, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a squinter like that, and then I kind of rub them a little bit, and then my eyes are adjusted. I don't know if that's the same for everybody. I don't know your process. But we are, we are called to the light but we're living in the darkness of our sin and we don't even recognize it because our eyes have adjusted to the darkness that we're living in. And so what I want to talk to you today with as we talk about this is that maybe, just maybe, we've got poison in our cup but our eyes have adjusted to the darkness and that maybe, just maybe, we don't even recognize it. That we don't even see that we're actually in the dark on some things. That the Lord wants us to live in the light. That maybe the problems that are within our relationships and in our marriages, we don't even recognize because we're sitting in the dark and we've just adjusted that this is just the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to argue all the time. We're supposed to do all this. And we're living in the dark. But our eyes are adjusted so we don't even recognize how dark the room actually is. Ephesians 5, 8, Paul says this. Let's look at it again. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. And watch what he says. He says, live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Is that not what you want for your marriage or for your relationships? All goodness, all righteousness, and all truth. You want that fruit to be displayed in your own life. Like, that's what we want for the areas of our, of our lives. And it says this, find out what pleases the Lord. And again, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. Don't let a hint of the darkness even be in your life. Have nothing to do with it. Don't hide them. Expose them. Have nothing to do with it. Why? Because you will never find healing in the dark. Ever. Every single moment that we hide, we don't find freedom. What happened in the garden with Adam and Eve? Right? They, they had a, a, the fruit of the, knowledge, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They take it. Sin enters into the world. They instantly do what? They hide. And they don't find freedom until they have an encounter with the Lord again, where they have this experience because they were hiding. But then they come to the Lord. Hey, where are you? I sort of, you know, here's some fig leaves. I had to wear the plants in the relationship, all this kind of thing. And they're just kind of like, wait a second here. Living in the dark, but healing will always happen in the light. So we can't hide it, we need to expose it, to reveal that out and say, hey, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm in the, I want to come back into the light and the, I don't want nothing polluting me anymore. And so Ephesians 5 is teaching us to recognize that, yes, this actually is an issue, that, yes, this is actually a poison that can destroy our lives. Yes, maybe, just maybe, I'm living in the light, but it actually is a room that's dark that my eyes have just adjusted to. And I'm stuck and I'm entangled in it. And then as we look at Proverbs together, we're going to see this play out 
in a different way, but another truth for us to hold on to. Now, as we look at Proverbs, you can flip your uh, Bibles there, click there, whatever you want to do. Let me give you some context in just a second. It's, this is Solomon who wrote this. Now, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, right? God's like, hey, you can ask for anything. He's like, I'll take wisdom. Pretty solid prayer. So he gets that, but recognize who he is. His dad, King David. That's a pretty cool dad to have, except for his dad lost his edge and he gives in. He should have been out fighting at the war, but he wasn't. He was at home losing his edge, doing whatever he was doing. He sees Bathsheba and he takes her, he sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, doesn't like that issue, tries to what? Hide it by saying, Uriah, come back in, which is her husband. That doesn't work. And so then he sends Uriah out. Uriah now dies. And so then King David takes her as his own. That's the kind of mom and dad that Solomon had that were just hiding from the issues that were there. He was trying to hide it all the way through. And he gave into those pleasures. That's Solomon's story. Now, as we read this in Proverbs chapter five, I wanna say that this is from the context and the perspective of a father to a son. And I'm gonna stay as accurate to that as possible while also making sure that you can see that this is not just a guy issue. This is a male and a female issue as well. In verse 15, it says this, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? It's like, hey, what's yours? Let it be yours. Don't let it go in other places. Don't like, hey, yeah, you can take my wife and do what, no, no, no. Let it be yours. It says, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Don't let what I have provided to you go away and to other people. Don't take where you are now and start going into the streets to start taking other people's water. I can think you can see the alliteration here. Don't go out on all this space. No, drink from your own well. Your, your, your own cistern. Stay in your own house. And I love that it says rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let me ask you a question, guys. All the fellas. Do you remember the moment when you first saw, especially the guys who are married, the moment when you first saw your wife? Do you remember what you, you felt in that moment? Remember what you were thinking when you first saw your wife? Do, do you remember that? Do you remember those moments? Ladies, do you remember when your husband, for the first time, maybe you were driving in the car or wherever you were, and he grabbed your hand? Do you remember that moment? Do, do you remember the, the joy maybe that was in those? Where, where did it go? Where, where did it go? Is it in the streets with other people? Where is the rejoicing of, where's the early passion that you had? Remember the vows that you spoke? Right, right. For better or for worse, for richer or for poor, till death do us part. 
And I know me, I, mean, I just got married six and a half or so years ago, like till death to his part seemed like a long ways away. And then sometimes you live and you're like, man, that seems like could be tomorrow. Right? Like it's like, you know, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember the passion that you had early on? Where did it go? Where is it hiding? Where do we need to expose that and bring that back to life? How do we keep that fire and passion? It's, hey, we, we can't compare to the social media of somebody else because their grass is greener. Hey, the grass is greener where it's watered. So do you remember that moment? Are you investing in that moment? That's why marriage nights are so impactful and I'm so excited like as, as we continue, like, because we're, we're watering the grass of the marriages of the house. Are you with me? We're not saying, hey, yeah, their grass is greener. I'm just going to go over there. No, 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 because it takes effort. It takes some resource to keep the fire, to keep the passion alive, watering the grass of our Marriages. In verse 19, as he continues, it says this, a loving doe, a graceful deer, amazing things to call your wife. <laughs> it says, may her breast satisfy you always. Not just sometimes, not just when you feel like it, not when you're awake, always. It says, may you ever be intoxicated. I want you to like circle, write that down, something. Whatever you want to do to mark that, we'll get back to it. Intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Again, circle that, whatever you want to do. Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? That word intoxicated, it's actually um, translated, it's this word, uh, I'm going to try and get this right, it's like se Sega, Sega. Not like Sega, like the game you played when you were a kid, like me. Sega. And it's actually more translated. I mean, intoxicated is a, is a good word for it, but the actual translation is a little bit more of like uh, being led. And so that question is like this Why, my son, be led astray with another man's wife? You can also translate it into this word, maybe depending on the version of. Uh, the Bible that you read, it might say captivated. Why, are, why would you be, be captivated with your loving doe, your graceful deer? Be captivated with her. Why would you be captivated by another man's wife? And that's a question I want to ask you this morning is who are you captivated by? Who's leading you? Who are you captivated by. Now, married people, be captivated by your husband or by your wife alone. That's what the Bible says. Now, I know if you're single and you're in the room and you're like, well, sweet, wish I had one of those to be captivated by, so what do I do? And I know I'm a pastor and it's like, maybe I should say this, whatever. You kind of know I'm going to say it, but it's true is to be captivated by Jesus. Who are you captivated by? It, let me ask you the question, single people, is he enough? 
to captivate you. Is he? Uh, because I know, like, when I was single, like, in desiring marriage and all those types of things, like, what I didn't learn that I know now is that marriage actually teaches us about sacrifice and submission every single day, <laughs> right? You can read Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3. It talks about this, right? Sacrifice and submission. Me, I thought, sweet, if I get married, all my personal problems, they're going to go away because now I'm married. And then I realized that Jerry Maguire, although it was a nice thing, he's a liar. Marriage did not complete me. It actually exposed me to me. And so... If marriage teaches us about sacrifice and submission, what does singleness teach us? Singleness will teach you about the ultimate supremacy of Christ. And so let me ask you a question again. Is he enough? Is he supreme? Is he, an, in fact, that's a question for every single person in this room, married or not, is he enough? Maybe this morning we need to re-recognize that Christ actually is enough. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but heaven is a, is a uh, like an amazing example, yet reality that we will be married to Christ. And guess what? He is going to have to be enough. And guess what? We'll be in heaven a lot longer than we're here. So can we re-recognize this morning that he is enough, that he's enough? Proverbs 21, or verse 521 says, for your ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all your paths. Everything you do is in full view of the Lord and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnares them and the cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die. Led astray by their own great folly. You know those actions that were like, man, I don't want anyone to see this. I hope no one catches me doing this. And we're constantly like looking over our shoulder, doing whatever it is that we're doing. Or the moment after, like, man, if somebody found out that I just did that, that would be really bad. All of that is in full view of the Lord. And it says that like, if we're constantly hoping not to get caught, right? Like that's how we, we live, right? So we're entangled, the cords of our sin, we're entangled in the sin of adultery, the poison of pornography, of impurities, of the sexual greed, hoping to not get caught. But he is the one examining our path. But it says in... Verse 23, it says, for lack of discipline. Lack of discipline. They will die. Being led astray. Again, same word, that sega. Being led astray, captivated by their own great foley. Lack of wisdom. Foolishness that we live within our lives. Not somebody else's fault. It was their own, right? Own lack of discipline and their own ways that they lived that would 
entangle them in such a way. So I've kind of set us up in this space, and, and the question is, okay, well, I got it. Don't drink the poison. That makes sense. How do I actually live pure? How do I live this pure life? How do I make sure there's nothing polluting my cup of water? What do I do to make that happen? And I'll tell you this, I'm not going to give you some pretty three, four, five cut answer of like, hey, delete this social media and don't go to that gym anymore and don't do this and don't do that and don't whatever it may be because I don't know if you're anything like me, but any actions that I take when I feel like I'm obligated to do so, they don't actually last for me and then I fall back into the same space. On the other side though, every action that I take out of an obedience Obedience towards something are actually stronger and sustaining. And so my goal over these next few moments is just to point to scripture and let that speak to you so that way the actions that you take are out of obedience to what God would have for you, not what Will would have for you, because I could really work through those things, but we want the God to do the heart surgery. So how do we live pure? How do I live in such a way that I'm not polluted anymore? How can I step out of the darkness and not go back into the light for my eyes to adjust? What does that happen? Psalm 119 and verse nine actually asks us this question. It says, so how can a young man live in this purity? How does this happen? How can they stay on the path, right? Lord, direct my path, my steps. How can I stay on this path of purity. It says, by living according to your word. How do I stay pure? I live according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. That's week one of vows. How do we, are we seeking God? Living according to where I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Do not let me leave the light and into the dark. I have hidden your word, not on my cell phone, tucked in a folder somewhere else, but I've hid it actually in my heart that I might not sin against you, meaning I'm going to have to actually try. I'm going to have to put some effort into this thing. So how do we, we live according to the word of God, what he says is true. And all these other things may shift in culture and the world may say one thing, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm just gonna live true to that word. It's what God says is true. I'm not gonna go towards my feelings because feelings fade, but God's word remains the same. And we begin to get out of the darkness instead of having our eyes adjust to it. Proverbs 28 and 13 tells us this, so we live according to the word, but it says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. Man, I wanna prosper. I don't know if it's just me, I wanna prosper. How does that happen in my life? The one who confesses and renounces them, those sins, finds mercy. Can I tell you this morning that a, a heart that is open and tells is a heart that is well, living in the light. I've heard it said that intimacy is into me you see. I'm letting you see into me, my dirt, my business, 
but I'm not keeping anything hidden. Now, this is strategic, of course. You don't just say it to whoever you want. You need to say it to the right people that can hold you accountable that you actually have given a voice into your life, sure. But if that is the goal, having this open life, then secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. And so as we conceal it, we don't prosper, but as we confess it, we do. And I know that this is gonna bring a topic up to some people that, man, that's a reality I didn't think I would actually be living in. And you might be facing some things over the next day or weeks, maybe as husband and wives having this conversation or friends having conversations coming around you as, as a single person. But like, can I tell you that every single sin confessed is grounds for forgiveness, restoration, and reconciliation. And so I pray that the same confession that comes out is received with the same grace that the Lord is giving in that moment as well. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 also tells us this. So we, we live according to the word. We speak out of the things that are holding us back. But the last thing I want to tell you today is this. is 1 Corinthians 6, 18. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. We have to flee, to run. Listen, we aren't going to face it face to face. We need to get out of the place. You know what I'm saying? We got to get rid of the poison. Don't let it linger in our lives anymore and just remove some things to get rid of it, to stop playing around to take it seriously, but to remove it. As Paul says, this is different. This is not something that's done on the outside, but the poison that you consume is on the inside and it's causing division there. So we don't wanna sit in the darkness anymore and just be adjusted and okay with it. We wanna live in the light. Would you stand with me? We're gonna worship God and respond to him and what he's doing this morning. And as we, we do, I know there are patterns and there are moments in our lives that maybe the Lord has brought up to us as we've been together. And I praise God that he's done that. And I'm excited to see what he does through it as we bring it to him. And so would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we come before you. Father, thankful for this time. Father, let us not stray from your commands. Father, may we live according to your word. And Father, let this moment be a moment of release, of confession. Father, let us find and receive your mercy. Father, as the chains that so easily entangle us of the sin, God, are breaking in the name of your son, Jesus. Father, we once lived in darkness, but because of your son, Jesus, we live in the light. So let us not slip back into that darkness anymore. Father, maybe take this seriously and move beyond God. And Father, even as we pray, there are those that are in this room that have lived in darkness because they've never even said yes to your son, Jesus, and they've never 
have the opportunity to live in light because they just continuously rejected him, but you brought them here for a reason. And so, Father, I pray that as we worship this morning, God, that there would just be an acknowledgement and a confession that you are Lord and Savior of their life, that you sent your son Jesus to live a perfect and sinless life because you know that we couldn't. And he died a criminal's death. He shed his blood to pave the way for us to live pure. Father, he was resurrected to new life so that we too can be given new life and live in the righteousness of Christ. So Father, as we respond to you this morning, we know through all the pain and through all the heartache, there is hope. There is hope. And we have faith for that this morning. So we worship you. We respond to what you're doing. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.